0: Hello, Amy. How are you? I am great. How well, about you?
1: I'm, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to ask anyone in healthcare that. <laughs> Actually. Because <laughs> I don't feel like we give the right answer.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't I don't know if it's the wrong answer. I think it might be a maybe a nuanced answer, maybe a better way of saying it.
1: Yes, yes, that's right. But the answer good is oof, just <laughs> probably not the right one.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know how things are going in your area of the wood. It seems like every time we do one of these, we're in the height of something terrible. Um, but right now, so we're in Tiff County is the leading county in the state on percentage of infections right now. And we're number two in the nation.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. So, hey, there's something to be proud of, right?
1: That's right. It's not Mississippi. That's what I'm proud of. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: hey, we're, we're glad we could help. We're glad we yeah. could help, you know, so. But it, I tell you, it's been just kind of crazy um, how things have, have, you know, it's, it's, we've, we've gotten so forgetful of what things are like, you know, and I guess that's kind of the part of And it's not just, you know, the public. I mean, I even, forget how you know challenging things were
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: now that we're starting to approach some of that again you know how challenging is it going to be this time um Mm -hmm. you know what kind of preparations have I got going um you know that kind of thing so it's 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 interesting for sure no doubt about it
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh man
0: so what's keeping you busy
1: nothing no I'm kidding (laughs) Uh, Just navigating. We're calling it COVID 2.0. A mess. A mess. I think we're different this year than last year because there are options. You know, you've got the vaccine, you've got monoclonal antibodies. So there's some things that you can do to help. And yet there's a whole segment of the population that don't trust that. And it's unfortunate.
0: Now, are you doing infusions at your clinic or... You'll no, right now, the
1: yeah, the hospital is the only place doing it right now. They are about to roll out a sub-Q option, which we are considering, but you've got to add extra staff because people have to be monitored an hour afterwards. So who's got, right now, my clinics are- And they're just that.
0: running over with staff, I'm sure. I mean, they're just everywhere, right?
1: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, never-ending, I guess- every employer is struggling with that right now.
0: Yes. And, and, but what's even crazier. So my son has a degree in hospitality management, graduated back in May, lives in Orlando where he was in school at UCF, you know, should be Mecca of being able to find stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many jobs he's been turned down on, Um, you know, and they're all saying, oh, we're hiring. And yet, for some reason, I think what, I think people are still being a little bit, they want to hire people, but they don't want to take that risk still on somebody new yet, you know? And I still think there's a, a, a very, very big stigma against not really have done anything like this before kind of deal, you know? So that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there may be a lot of diamonds in the rough that we don't know about that we need to go find.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We've been doing a, a big push slash program, there's a local college here, and I don't know if it's just our state or statewide, but have you heard much about work keys?
0: No, no, tell me about that
1: so they're trying kind of to your point, trying to encourage that eighteen to twenty four year old range mm-hmm. so right now, in the we got some um state and federal funds. So if I hire an intern, the community college does their drug screen, their background check, and they have to take a test called work keys, which is two or three hour, similar to an ACT, but different. Right. And then they will cover up to six weeks. It's about 300 and something hours. And they'll pay their salary. If you hire them on full time, they will reimburse you. Um, If they're 18 to 24, they reimburse you 100%. It ends up being about four and a half months. That they cover their salary because they want the incentive for them to do well and to work out it's a wonderful program if they're over 20 like if they're 25 and older, you get half of that salary up to eighteen dollars an hour but that's what I'm needing is receptionists MAs nurses in that range and it's i've just hired five through them
0: <laughs> now is this something that's being done in is this a nationwide program or that you know? Yeah,
1: This is our local community college. I would imagine each state has something very similar because workforce development is a big, um, you know, it's kind of a new term that I think a lot of governors are focusing on. They want to invest in that younger population. Now, some of it is for trades. You know, they're really trying to promote. We need electricians. We need people to drive um, big machineries. But they also have Allied Health, which is you and I. So they have um kids that come in and want to be in the healthcare field with a receptionist position or MA type thing. So um it's I'm learning about it. We just started it. And then if somebody doesn't work out, like I hired one of them, the sixth one, and she lasted about three days, it just was not a fit. But I didn't spend the money doing all the background check and the you know the the legwork. Um, and they were the ones that called and said, okay, this is just not a fit. So they're going to try to find her somewhere else to go.
0: That's still hey. an amazing program, though. It sounds really, really intriguing. Yes. I would check check a local,
1: Yeah, just ask a, a local community college. Do they work key is kind of your keyword? Do you have any work keys funds? Are y'all doing any program? That kind of thing. And uh, I would imagine a lot of people are trying. It looks good for your state to say we put we gave X amount of youth a job 18 to 24. So it's, it's kind of a win-win and there's, you know, how each state uh, gets money that can only be used for certain things. There's just money sitting there that a lot of our people aren't taking advantage of. So I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um,
0: Has your, did your team, did you undergo any kind of uh, shrinkage on your team over the last year?
1: No, I'm very thankful. I just had all of our providers. Uh, we had a meeting last week. I only lost one employee and I fired two in the last 18 months. So I feel very fortunate to say that. And I, it took an HR person about two or three weeks ago asking me. He he does a lot of different small businesses And he said, do you not realize that you're like in the elite of people who didn't lose a lot of staff? And so I I just wanted to stop and celebrate that with our staff. Like, I'm very proud that we hung on to everybody because that was that was a rough 18 months. (laughs) And uh, we're gearing up for round two. (laughs) So
0: Well, I just realized that we're droning on and on and on. And I haven't even started the podcast quite yet. (laughs) Welcome to the Vision of Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight 1-Day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear 1-Days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the 3-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice not fear of the disease associations with myopia is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA approved single use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm Ted McElroy, your host. And today I have uh, my first returning guest with me, Amy Bogue. Uh, that many of you remember from back last year, um, she had a she has a clinic in Mississippi called Legro Clinics. Uh, very interesting story. If you want the backstory on it, go back and find the podcast episode that goes along with that one. We don't need to get into that today because we got way too many other things to discuss. But Amy, I'm so happy to have you here, and gosh, I've missed you. Uh, you know, <laughs> we just haven't we haven't had our conversations like we've had in the past year. I'm sure, just like me. Things are just busier in a different way, and our paths haven't crossed the same way most recently.
1: I know. Thank you so much for asking me to come back on. It's an well, I was, honor. <laughs> I was excited
0: to have you on. Um, we were uh, sort of. Some of you guys have already heard part of what we talked about because I've added that at the very beginning. But I I got into it and I thought, oh my gosh, we haven't even you know got other things started, so we'll we'll get back into it. We're basically talking about workforce and how that's been affecting our our practices over the last year. And Amy and I have been very blessed in this last year to have not had a lot of turnover in our workforce, in our offices, with our team. Um, Very similar to you, Amy, I had one employee that we let go um, with actually a pretty substantial issue just with not fitting into the culture, even though she'd been with us for a while. And I think I had a lot to do with having her stay around a little too long uh, was my fault you know, and she was a great producer and, uh, I got along with her well, but a lot of others did not. And, uh, that made it really friction, a lot of friction there. Um, mm. and then I had recently, we've had a decrease in our workforce in that one of the ladies that was working with us, not even quite a year. And we knew she was investigating this as a possibility, but she decided to go to dental hygienist dental school. I think that's how you say that. And that starts next week. So she's been gone for a week. And then I uh, lost a kid who had been working with us since her soft end of her sophomore year in high school. And she graduated from high school this year. So she went off to Georgia Southern and I uh, hail Southern. That's my thing for that because that's where I went to school. And uh, then my son went back to optometry school. So I lost three people in a week. And uh, that's been a, quite a drain on our team. We're really struggling with not only missing these people because we did really enjoy working with all of them, but also just because this, the workload has increased for us all of a sudden. And, uh, you, you're fortunately very blessed and haven't had a whole lot of turnover. What do you, what would you attribute to the success of not having a lot of turnover though?
1: I do believe culture is probably the number one answer, just creating a culture of caring. Uh, I I do feel your pain because three of my staff started school this week too. And it So I'm trying to rehire some floating, and we call it PRN in our world, uh, some more staff just because of, one, our volume is maxed out for the first time in a summer ever, and then uh, we have got some going back to school, which I fully support, and I'm excited for them. It just hurts when they leave, like your son leaving. You're like, oh, but you were such good help when you were here. (laughs) So it's uh yeah I think that culture and and caring go a long way um, people like to be told they're doing a good job and you also allow a little bit of autonomy and when people have autonomy they feel ownership and I think that attributes to people staying as well
0: so i'm I'm going to presume that a fair amount of your team that have are working with you now have worked in other places before. How much of what they had experienced before did you have to overcome for them to enjoy working with you? In other words,
1: we did. So I have four clinics total. Two of them were owned by a hospital system and then I'm private owned. So it was night and day really. Uh, We did have to overcome almost a fear It it was interesting when they first met me, they did not like the person, I guess, that had my role at their other position and people were very uptight when I came in the room. And so I had to reframe thinking of every time I talk to you, it doesn't mean that you're in trouble. Uh, I actually enjoy people. I'd like to hear how your child's doing or how your husband's doing. You know, I, I enjoy that interaction. So kind of had to overcome a little bias from those two clinics specifically and retraining their brain that I care about them as a human and they're not just a number in my system. So that was probably be the number one thing we kind of had to overcome in that situation.
0: But okay. That sounds all nice, but how do you do that? I mean, what what kind of things do you do to actually uh, foster that type of mentality?
1: Well, you have to build relationships, of course, have to learn names and learn a little bit about each employee. And then I felt like it was very important in the beginning to have staff meetings at each location that I would help go to. Since then, we fostered uh, and grown up some managers who are handling all that now. So I, I can just pop in, but I've spent years building that relationship to where uh We have like a texting system on our EMR. And so sometimes I just like to send a random note to one and thank them for doing a good job, just building that relationship. But that takes time and effort. Um, yeah,
0: it does. And as you grow these businesses that we're all growing, it starts getting harder and harder because there's more and more people. And it starts becoming a little more daunting for some of those new ads that you had. I mean, this uh, lady that left us, um, you know, she'd been with us not quite 11 months even. And there's a lot of things I really didn't even know about her that well. And we don't have a massive team and we got 14 people in the building, but it's still, it's, it's a lot harder than it was when I had four.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah. But it does go a long way when people, uh, and, and another thing I've been trying to be better about is when we've got staff out, just personally reaching out and checking on them. So if, had one with COVID or one of their kid had COVID, you know, just checking in, even though it's busy. I just think it's important to make sure they know that we're still keeping in touch with them as well.
0: Yeah. We, we kind of hit on it a little bit early, but how is your life better now than it was a year ago?
1: I think the fear of the unknown is gone for many in healthcare. It's kind of, At first, we didn't know what we were dealing with, how it transmitted, all the things. There was not really the treatments or I don't know what to do. And, you know, 18 months later, we're we know what we're doing more. I think in healthcare, we're exhausted from debunking lies. Uh, It's not, you know, am I better? Yes, in the sense that I know what I'm dealing with and and calming the fears of the staff. And we're not necessarily running out to the car for every single visit anymore so all of that is much better what's worse is the emotional uh, and mental drain that me and my staff have it's it's you're physically tired just from hard work and high volume but the mental side is really I'm, I'm actually struggling as a leader how do I help my staff not have mental exhaustion we call it compassion fatigue I think a lot of people in healthcare are getting to that point. <laughs> because,
0: yeah, I think it's that. And I think also it's the decision fatigue. Um, there are way more decisions. It seems like that we've had to overcome in the last year than we had probably in the last 10 years before it, it seemed like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and how, you know, each situation is different. That that's definitely still a challenge is. Even with COVID, and and we do a lot of businesses. So I had a business owner call. Why did one employee go to this provider and one to another, and the return to work's different? Well, then I had to ask more questions. Well, what symptoms does this patient have? And all you ask all these questions. Well, COVID's very subjective. It's based on how sick you are and your symptoms and all these things matter to make, like you're saying, the decision of when can they re-engage either at work or back in society or not. And so you're constantly, your brain's a little bit more tired because it's not just a, okay, this is the flu. This is what you need to do. Or this is strep. This is what you need to do. This one's just completely different.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you as well, it is completely different and it's also very much the same as some other things that have happened in our history, I, I'll give you a good example. So, uh, I'm a podcast nerd. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one of my favorite ones are all the ones that Motley Fool does. And um, there's a Rule Breakers podcast that David Gardner, who started uh, one of the, he was the co one of the co founders for Motley Fool, him and his brother Tom. And in Rule Breakers, in August, he always does authors in August. So last August, he had an author, and I can't recall the guy's name. I just remember that he had worked with the National Institutes of Health, and he wrote a book that was published in 2019 celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Spanish flu. And he started off by asking him, would you mind telling us what happened at the beginning of the Spanish flu? And they said, well, um, there were people who were rioting in the streets about having to wear masks. There were race riots There were um, lots of people getting information about this and that that didn't make any sense and didn't really know what to do next. In fact, this Spanish flu that we call it should have been called the American flu because the journalists in America were basically um, sworn not to release the fact that this flu was here because they didn't want our boys returning from World War I to feel bad about coming back to this place. They had this peak probably about three to four months into the flu, which died down, and then about a year later it came back. Mm. And we're right in this exact same, you know, scenario that we've seen. And it's kind of funny how we just don't learn. Um, you know, <laughs> because we're we're the same humans that were around a hundred years ago.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that <laughs> I guess you can go either way on the vaccine. People are it's just so controversial, but we do learn from history, and you know, it, I don't know. It, people are not checking the facts of their sources, and that is where, just like you're saying, a hundred years ago, they didn't either. Just false news can spread quicker than the truth is what it feels like. So it's okay. very hard.
0: So now we're we're getting into a territory that I would love to talk about for just a minute: false news and just any false information. Period. How do you? how do you have a conversation? I'll put it this way that there was a poster on my wall when I was a kid, it was a Murphy's law poster and it had all these different sayings, you know, the odds of a piece of bread falling buttered side down is directly proportional to the cost of the carpet and stuff like that. But there was one of them on there that I've always thought back on really finally. And I, every time I start to get into a discussion with someone, this pops in my head, never argue with an idiot. People may not know the difference. (laughs) How do you have a discussion with someone that, you know, for a fact, because scientifically they're just wrong, but how do you, how do you go about redirecting them or, or do you, you just let them go. I mean, how do you, how do you go through that?
1: Just personally, I tell stories of, I call it boots on the ground. I said, all I can tell you is what I see and treat. So they, these are the real life humans coming into our clinic these are their real symptoms. (laughs) This is what's happening. You know, whether it's with the vaccine or not, I've only had one uh, vaccinated employee get reinfected. The only reason they knew they had COVID is they lost their taste and smell. Otherwise, she felt completely great. I can only give my opinion based on my experiences, my degree, my studying, and then my experiences. And that, and then redirect. There's just some, and I've got family members that we're going to agree to disagree, and I'm just not going to talk about it. And this is where the compassion fatigue comes in. But when you get really sick and you didn't listen to what I tried to tell you, I can't feel sorry for you because I told you what to do and you didn't do it. And I just have a feeling a lot of us in healthcare are getting to that point for the first time ever in our career. Never have I thought that until about last week.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know that. I think, I think, uh, eye care may have dealt with it a lot uh, just from glaucoma. It's one of those diseases like high blood pressure, you know, you can treat it and they That's don't right. feel bad. You, you treat it. And sometimes they do feel bad. And so it's, you know, it's kind of one of those kind of diseases. Um, so we talked also about some of the challenge. What are the, what, else is more challenging this year than it was a year ago besides the fatigue?
1: Ooh, see, I, I, I would say that would just be the top one besides being physically tired for the volume. You normally, I mean, I'm primary care, so we ebb and flow. Typically the summer you kind of down, I actually in the historically lose money in the summer just because it's so much slower, but this year, I'm a, I'm just worried for our staff. I'm trying to to be a proactive leader. What can I do? I'm just taking a few little steps to encourage our staff because we haven't stopped. We have just been go 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 and you know for children RSV was crazy this summer and we've never seen an outbreak of RSV in the summer which makes me a little worried for what's to come this fall. I'm I'm a little apprehensive, <laughs> trying to plan for that. So, you know, what's harder from the last time we did the podcast is, as a leader is trying to figure out how can I keep my staff from burnout? Cause we haven't slowed down.
0: Yeah. Talking about RSV, I'm pretty certain I had it not terribly long ago, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, and I've heard of a lot of adults that are actually getting this childhood illness um, you know, part of it's because we have had our resistances lowered. Um, it mm-hmm. was nice not being sick in the winter except for having COVID of course. Um, but it was other than that, you know, it was nice not having the flu or the cold and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, here we go to a point where we finally can, Oh, we can start breathing again, take the mask off. And two weeks later, I get something like this worst respiratory infection I've ever had in my life. And I go, what is this? And Kristen goes, oh, it's probably RSV. <laughs> you know? And so I thought I started looking at dad gummit, That's probably what it was. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was insane how crazy that happened like that. Yes. So you've also had a big change in what you do now. Uh, not just at your, your, maybe your avocation, I would say you're, you're now spending time coaching people. How has that been for you?
1: Oh, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm a relationship extrovert type person and I mean, the old saying, whatever that might be, is I feel like sometimes I might get more out of it. I I love to learn and listen to other people's stories. And at the same time, it feels so um, encouraging to be able to give someone else a different point of view or advice. And what's fun about coaching is a lot of times they might actually listen to it where and you probably experience this, too. In your hometown, often people don't listen to what you say sometimes. Just they're like, oh yeah, you know, I've I've known her forever and and maybe I I don't know how her advice is, but coaching's fun because it's very intentional.
0: So right. So now you sort of mentioned this a little bit. What kind of things have you learned about yourself through these coaching uh sessions that you're doing?
1: Ooh, that I'm still got so much to learn. I think just in general about life, about business, I, I always like to continue to learn. And sometimes the advice, even that I might be giving, I need to take my own advice as well, <laughs> especially in the area of rest and and rejuvenating, I
0: suppose. So that's a real struggle for you then?
1: It has been. Yeah, I, I definitely would say that's been a struggle just because we haven't had that, uh, time this summer, like we normally do.
0: So what are you doing to combat that?
1: I try to be intentional for me. Exercise is my out. And I found this called reformer Pilates. And we've got a studio in town that her ambiance is actually something that I relax. You can lay on your back and while you're exercising and working hard to me, it's relaxing because I can do it with my eyes closed and no one's, texting me, you know, I try to unplug for that hour. So that is just kind of one thing that I do.
0: How about your sleep? Are you, how, how have you started mapping your sleep, trying to figure out how much you're getting, or do you just sort of let it happen when it happens?
1: Oh no, I'm, I'm a big sleep advocate. I, I believe that's one of the most underrated or people do not put enough priority on their sleep. I've in bed between nine and 10 every night, but I get up around 5 a.m., I'm a, I like to get my day started and kind of do my morning routine. So I, I'm a very avid sleeper.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was, that was another thing I've heard recently that, you know, because of our, our society today, we're sleeping significantly less than we were, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And, and the, the 20, 30 years ago, we were all, to, oh, well, all these machines are going to replace us all. We're all, you know, and now what's actually happening is we're at work all the time, because we 've got these machines that are supposed to be helping us that are making us work all the time, mm-hmm. so yeah. you know are are you seeing that happen with some of your some of your uh, coaching clients that you're working with
1: oh yes, i don't think people are putting the priority on that i I kind of want to remind i mean I'm a nurse too, but remind people to go back to the basics sleep water you 've got to hydrate, you know your body needs a lot of water. Uh, eating decent food. You don't have to eat, you know, ultra organic every meal, but you've got to be cognitive of how much fruit and vegetables and and healthy things and taking your vitamins. Um, I call it moving versus exercise. Some of those basic needs, in my mind, prevent you from getting other illnesses and sick as well. So it's, it's kind of a win-win um, that people don't, Remind themselves to do, right. <laughs> or making a priority. You know, everything in America is just so instant, and I just want to have results right then and there. So they're not pacing themselves. Getting, I don't know, taking going back to the basics. I guess is is my thought.
0: So, what kind of things have you learned about others while you've been doing this coaching?
1: Hmm. I think, in general, leaders tend to take care of others before they take care of themselves. It's almost like this badge of honor, but at the same time, we've got to kind of pour back into ourselves or else the couple run dry. Uh, balance is a word that people use a lot and trying to, I, I love Michael Hyatt's double win. I I am a hundred percent on board with that and try to help, even my friends and and whoever I'm in contact with remind them like you can have the double win versus the word balance
0: maybe right because well I don't know, it seems like there everybody talks about a work life balance, and I don't know that that ever actually truly happens it's It's more about making sure I'm spinning the focus of what is the most important thing for the moment, and there are some times where I'm not saying my family should take a back seat, but there are some times that if I have to focus on my career a little bit for that short period, it is important because that career is fueling this house that's over my head and, you know, all these other things. So I've got to make sure I'm, I'm doing that. But if I'm not taking the time to take care of myself first, then I'm going to be in really big pro- trouble. You know, it's, that's the reason why they tell you to put the oxygen mask over the, you know, yourself before you try to help somebody else on a plane. Although I did hear a great one that one of the, um, flight attendants for uh, Southwest said, uh, if you've got two children, look at one of them and see which one has the better earning potential and put theirs on first.
1: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yes. I, I do think often leaders forget they've got to take care of themselves. And especially as a mom, I think a lot of moms feel guilty for doing something for themselves, but if they can remember you need to feel refueled and recharged so that you can give to your children, your husband, your work, everything else. It's so important. And it's not um, selfish. I think sometimes society tries to teach opposite and say, well, you know, don't think about you just always think about others. And there's again, that word balance, but you've, you've got to take care and pay attention of yourself so that you can give your best to others.
0: Yeah. Because it's impossible to give someone a hundred percent if you don't have a hundred percent to give. And that's, you know, I, I watched my wife's grandmother who took care of her husband, who was the poster child for Alzheimer's and she did it at home, mostly by herself in the evenings. She had someone there to help out during the day, but at night it was just the two of them. And he was basically a 78 year old, two year old, you know, and, um, especially at the very end, he got to be much, much more challenging. And after he had passed away, my boys um, were born about a year later. And Miss Polly came down and spent the, about six weeks with us. They were about six weeks old at that point. Or sorry, she said about two weeks with us. They were about six weeks old. When she first got here, she said, okay, now tomorrow morning, this is the first morning she's going to be there. Just pretend like the kids aren't here. And I go, oh, well, that's, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I love that time. I mean, that's, that's part of what she said, okay, well, at least just let me handle all the stuff that you don't want to be doing. Like, you know, the diaper changing and all that kind of stuff. So the next morning I got up and did all the stuff I normally would do and I got chastised right off the bat, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, we take the boys into the kitchen. Kristen still hadn't gotten up. This was going to be a nice little first time, you know, being able to sleep in a little bit, you know, with me not having, having somebody there and me going to work. And so we're, they're sitting at one end of the table and we're sitting at the other. And um, she said, I'm going to take care of them. And then she goes to start making herself a bowl of cereal. And I'm thinking, well, okay, like you're going to feed them sometime soon or, you know, and so she's just doing her thing and she sits down and. They're starting to get a little fussy and I'm starting to get a little bit anxious and she can probably see it on my face. And then she reaches up and taps one of them on the foot and says, don't worry, boys, I'll get to y'all in a minute, but I can't take care of you until I take care of myself first. Mm-hmm. No, and I felt like I was about two inches tall at that point. You know, because <laughs> I had just been schooled by this woman who, you know, that's how she basically took care of Mr. Mr. Johnny Mac was, you know, taking care of how uh, invalid uh, situation he had going on and just, that kind of insight. And I've carried that through. I tell that story so many times a year to patients that are sitting in my chair and you can tell they are just about out. You know, Mm -hmm. this is someone who had perfect health a year ago and suddenly their spouse has gone into bad health and they've spent more time trying to take care of that spouse and no time taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what a lot of leaders end up doing as well.
1: Yes. And I think with, um, I think about special needs parents too. Sometimes that's just got to be one of the most thankless jobs because you're on 24 seven and there's so many needs. And, uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about, I had them on my heart earlier this week where parents with special needs.
0: So part of what you have to do as a coach is giving insight. How important is it to get insight from somebody else?
1: Extremely. I think it's great to have different points of view and and even different opinions. Uh, It's healthy to not just think, you know, put blinders on and only think one way and see one way. I think the world is full of all kinds of people and getting insights from all different personalities. The world's made up of so many different kinds of people don't always have to agree on everything. <laughs> so I, I like to learn and just hear different perspectives and point of views. I think it's healthy.
0: So what kind of, uh, tips and tools can you give the audience for free? Maybe that they would be able to possibly put in that, that, that would be helpful for them. I mean, especially right now, we've talked about how we're, we're all, you know, uh, tired from caring so much. Sounds crazy, Mm -hmm. but it's true. We're tired of making all these decisions. What, what kind of things can we, what are some tips and tools that we could start using today to make our lives a little bit easier?
1: Yeah. If you are a leader and, and running an organization, I cannot recommend enough uh, Michael Hyatt's book, No Fail Meetings. That has retrained my brain. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, And how are you going to use it? And my husband read the book and is reframing his mind and how he wants to kind of schedule his ideal week, if you will. Uh, He just ordered, he's got a business meeting and ordered more of the books. I ordered 12 and I've already given them out. And he said, well, I need to order some more. (laughs) Uh, But they have, it's a cheaper book that has a bunch of free resources on the back and kind of is making you think as a leader, what is each meeting necessary? And it makes you question, you know, why are you having this meeting? What's your, you need to have a point for the meeting who really needs to be there and prepare an agenda ahead of time so that it will flow smooth and be a good use of time. I think that's a really important thought. And and another practice that Michael does, which I really have started to adapt as well, but if you are the visionary and and your job allows it, then pick one day during the week out of the five days that you won't take any meetings, whether they're external or internal, and that's your vision planning. That's your deep thinking uh, time that you can schedule so that the big things actually get done instead of your days just constantly interrupted with these thirty-minute or one-hour meetings. So that that would be one. Free advice I would give: <laughs> get the book now.
0: <laughs> so, so now that you've gone through this process, how have your meetings changed? And and how how many meetings are you having? What are they for?
1: Yeah, it uh, for me I've got about almost well I guess sixty to seventy employees. So with five entities, I finally defined what we're going to do. You know, I'm going to meet with each entity, providers, reception, clinical twice a year. They're actually three weeks in a row right now. I did one in the spring and I'm doing one now. And then I've got my manager meetings and our planning, you know, what we're doing, I'm taking them off site and we're going to do some strategic planning. Uh, With our weekly meeting, I just turned it into an email and I said I want to see the staffing on Thursday at lunch for the next week. So that gives us time to adjust if somebody gets sick or something happens. We're we're constantly thinking ahead. So it really made me focus and utilize my time. When I plan these meetings, I sit down and 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 fill in his agenda that's a free resource. And so like I planned for the providers, uh, an hour, I said, it will be no more than an hour. And because I was so prepared, we got done in 45 minutes and that 45 minutes included five minutes socialization in the front. And at the end, I had a fun little exercise for us all. So it just keeps you on track and I love efficiency and I don't want to waste anybody's time. So that would be just a big thing that I've learned and implemented too.
0: Yeah. We we talked at the very beginning about this culture that we're going to develop. Does this help enforce your culture? Is it something that you're doing to do that on purpose, or is it something that fits a little differently in your culture?
1: No, I think uh, we are continuing to create and recreate our culture, and this is the culture that I want to create. and you know, when I can show these disciplines, then the managers can take these disciplines and go into the office and each clinic can have their efficient meeting as well. So I, I don't want anybody to feel like a meeting is a waste of time. That's a pet peeve of mine. You know, in, in fact, I've turned down a couple like board nominations or committee commitments because I know that the leader of that thing is not organized and i cannot waste my time <laughs> and it's not that that thing wasn't good and i would help if it fits but i i just meetings and efficiency is is one of my things <laughs> that right. i want in my culture
0: so you don't want the meeting to just have a meeting types of types of mentality no. going on yeah um, a lot of my audience will know the name Walt West. You won't because you're not an optometrist, but uh, Walt West uh, probably said one of the best things I'd ever heard about a meeting. He was voted to lead their parish council. And um, those meetings were just, he said were drawn on for hours and hours. And so he decided that what he would do to fix the problem was on his very first parish council meeting, he had all the chairs in the room removed. It's amazing how little you have to say when you have nowhere to sit. And, uh, so that's one of the things that we've actually do to help out our, one of our meetings, we do a stand up every morning uh, for about the first five minutes, just to be able to kind of like what you're talking about. Okay. Um, you know, Colette's going to be absent because she's got a doctor's appointment at three o'clock this afternoon. So we'll need to know about that. And today, Brenda's out all day because her sister had surgery. So she needs to make sure she's available for her. So we're down two people. So let's all make sure that everybody knows that so we can pitch in and help out where it's necessary. Um, so those kinds of things are extremely helpful. Um, we still have a weekly meeting, but I I do like maybe trying to change that into a weekly email meeting. That would be very interesting to to pull that in to a level. That would be something definitely different to do. Um, is there a time where you get the entire 60 group of people together and how do you pull that off?
1: Yeah, for the first time, uh, well, we, we have a parent company and we've done an event with the parent company, but this summer... I did a pool party. So I made it fun. And we had a DJ and we had food and brought the families and the kids. I think that it is important to get everyone interacting together. But for that, I wanted it to be purely fun. And we did cash giveaway. You had to be present to win and get some drawings and just to make it interesting and fun. Uh, We did a nomination of employee of the year and and announced that. uh, We tried to do one of the quarter and then Announced the big one at the year uh, meeting. So, as far as information, I, I don't find it necessary to have an all clinic meeting right now when we're all co- so tired anyway. It's right. just better for me to put them into their division and say, This is what's going on in your world and what we need you to know. But what I do um, for everybody, honestly, is a monthly newsletter. So, at the beginning of the month, I put out a newsletter that has the birthdays, has any coding changes. And just any information that I need them to know instead of gathering them all in one meeting, that is my meeting is the newsletter.
0: That's great. Um, You know, because we all tend to, I think the meetings for me are important too, because that may be the only chance that they have an opportunity to speak to me that week really and have my time and my attention because I've got nothing to do, but listen to them while we're having this meeting. But it also is amazing how much more empowered they feel sometimes by having some of their colleagues around them to say things that they might not say to me on a one-on-one basis. And I think being available in that sometimes even supports them enough where they may, may say some of those things they need to say on the one-on-one basis. Mm-hmm. Um, do you set a time to do one-on-one with, with your team as well?
1: Yes, I I did that more before the pandemic. Um, since the pandemic, I have not met one-on-one with every staff. I thought that I was gonna get that done over the summer, but <laughs> we didn't slow down. Uh so but I've also been working really hard and, and training managers to where they can handle that more one on one relationship with their clinics that they're over. So I yeah. I'm lacking there on the (laughs) one-on-one.
0: Well, I don't think it's necessary. I think actually what you're doing there is very wise. It's, uh, you know, because as you continue to keep growing, as you're growing, like you said, 60 people, uh, that's going to take, if you're doing one of those a week, it's going to be over a year before you get around to get to all of them. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to be very fair, you know, to anybody. So if you can get your team that your direct reports are having those kind of meetings that spreads it out a lot easier and you're still getting your message out in a way that needs to be done.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So as we're sort of drawn to a close, um, what kind of things do you want to make sure that everybody hears from you before you walk away from your microphone?
1: Ooh, now that is a loaded question. <laughs> is there any topic?
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we <laughs> run however you want.
1: I know. I think I, I said it again. I just can't reinforce enough. Just to to take care of yourself, especially as a leader, I, and not to forget the basics of just like we said, movement and drinking lots of water. I know this sounds silly, but again, I'm a nurse. But you know, when you're hydrated, so many other things work better. Think about your gut and your skin and all these different body parts need water, crave water, and people don't do a good job of staying hydrated. When you miss the water intake, all kinds of things start going wrong. And that's just a simple thing that people don't put enough emphasis on and and just moving, even if you're not an exercise person, just getting out and moving, especially if you're at a desk all day is so important for your mental and physical health and um, rest. Like we said, I can't, can't harp on that enough. I, I just uh, want to remind leaders to go back to the basics and take care of themselves.
0: Yeah, because um, if you're gone, well, there's not going to be a whole lot of help for that business. I mean, let's, let's face it. Uh, I, had, I had someone one time tell me, his name was Jerry Perhall, and it was his father-in-law, uh, Earl Taylor, also an optometrist, um, said, you know, you should walk out at the back of the office every day and look out in that parking lot and realize you got a lot of car payments and you've got a lot of house payments and you put a lot of braces on kids teeth and shoes on their feet and if you mess up you mess it up for everybody mm-hmm. um so if you're gone again what are they going to do where are they going to go you know i mean of course now they could probably go just about anywhere they wanted because they've got tons of chances <laughs> for jobs but you know in a regular life in a regular That's world right. have a hard time That's
1: well, Amy, right.
0: i really appreciate you being here and uh, this was a a blast, just like it. I can't believe this flew by as fast as it did, as it always does. Um, so, how's a good place? How, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, to con, con, because let's face it, you're an awesome coach, and I think people can oh. look into that. So, how how would someone connect with you to look into that?
1: Sure. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, they can always just if you Google Michael Hyatt and Company is the the main parent company. And if you're interested in coaching, it is nice to have somebody hold you accountable. I think that is the power of coaching, but also having it, someone that you can talk to or vent to that understands what you're going through or just to listen and has different life experiences that's not a part of your family or a friend that they might be jaded is really helpful uh, in any walk of life, really. But. Yeah, If you go through Michael Hyatt's website, there's they, you can do a, a free call, just a consultation call and find out more about the coaching. Ted and I both are in the Business Accelerator Program. That's how we met. And it's an amazing mastermind of highly talented and motivated individuals, which in our world motivates us to be even better. So uh, all those are great ways.
0: Well, thank you, Amy. And uh, I can't wait to see you soon.
1: Yes, I hope so. <laughs>
0: So, I have got something you may have ever heard. Have you ever heard of this stuff before?
1: Hotty Toddy from Old Miss?
0: Well, actually, no. My cousin is a, a competition barbecuer. Oh. Uh, he, he lives in Marietta, right there uh, near Tupelo and Boonville. Yeah. Uh, his team is the Hotty Toddy barbecue crew. And um, so, oh, me,
1: that's awesome.
0: He sent me a bottle of their sweet Southern Shine barbecue sauce through my mama. Um, and some dry rub too, which I think I've used all that already. I've still haven't gotten oh. it yet, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, kind of neat and, and kind of funny too, because i I enjoy barbecue and not to the level that he does, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Me, and he's gotten into, they've actually got competition for ribeyes now. I mean, you can, they have a, everybody's got the same kind of little grill. It's like a tiny little grill and they've got a time limit. They have to cook this thing on it. It's insane about how they do it, but, um, wow. it's a different world.
1: That is, yeah, there's a barbecue place here that he competes, like in Texas, and he has
0: trophies everywhere. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It is a thing, yes.
0: Well, yeah, I did know the competition for barbecue was a thing. I just didn't know about the state competitions. No, I
1: didn't either. uh, I guess
0: it's probably a competition for everything nowadays, it seems like. That's
1: right. Now, how do we sign up to be a tester for the state competition? I don't
0: know. That's what I would like to figure (laughs) out, too. Yeah, especially, well. I don't know. I imagine they probably get lots of really good ones and they probably get some not so great ones too that they have to choose the way (laughs) through. Um because I mean, we did when I was in school in Memphis, we had a competition team for our uh optometry fraternity and so we would compete. It was the Joe Pig Smokers, I think is what they were what was the name of the team for I don't know if they still do it or not, but it was always done in Memphis in May competition. Yeah. And uh, um We would come in last place every single year. We had a blast, but, <laughs> but you,
1: know, uh, you had fun doing and it. And actually,
0: the food was great. It's just we didn't really get into the whole show thing, you know, and the all that other stuff. We just made a really good pork shoulder, and um, <laughs> I think we came in maybe fourth place one year. in other meats, um, somebody was able to get a hold of. I can't. I, can't, I think we did a, a. It was before the deep fried turkey thing had sort of gotten started off, and. Somebody had deep fried a turkey real early, and then we put it on the smoker toward the end and got it nice and smoky. And that was a a thing we did pretty well. But that was not (laughs) me. That was Farshid Mirapanahi that took care of that one. Nice. Uh, If you're listening, congratulations for you, brother. (laughs)